0: Come on,
1: Portland.
0: I have to stop at the bookstore. Did
1: the psychiatrist cure you? No, but he told me about a book that will certainly cure me. A book? a book? It's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. It's by Dale Conigley. Dale, well, here's the bookstore to Chaucer Head. Well, I think I'll go to the movie. The movie?
0: I hate to go, but I have to. You have to? Why? I have some popcorn wiped out
2: Well, so long, Portland. And hey, I'll go in and get Mr. Carnegie's book.
1: Well, here's counter four. find my book, Mr. Carnegie. My time next I've been waiting all day, Mr. Carnegie. Pardon me, sir. Are you, uh. Yes, I'm Dale Carnegie. My name is Fred Allen. Well, I'm delighted to meet you, Mr. Allen. You are? I'm delighted to meet anybody with a copy of my book. My psychiatrist says that your book can help me. I keep worrying. I never know if the toast is going to pop up in the morning, Mr. Carnegie. How can I stop worrying? So you want to stop worrying and start living, right? Yes. Do you have a frying pan? Yes. For tomorrow morning instead of Boat day, Why don't you make Friday? Friday? Friday, you won't need the <laughs> do, do, do. Get, Mr. Carnegie, you are a genius. I'm going to hand you seven tweets that were posted by the government's new universities advisor, Toby Young, and I'd like you to tell me whether you'd be prepared to read any of them out on live radio at 21 minutes after 10 on a Thursday morning.
2: Uh, I'm just reading them, sorry for the silence. No. Hello, lovely listeners. This is Tim.
0: This is Shrippy.
2: And this is. Music for Films box set where we're going to be looking at the film of Toby Young's book, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Why? Why are we looking at this film or why the whole thing? Why the whole thing? I've had this idea for quite a while where there are films which don't have DVD commentaries.
0: Yeah?
2: And DVD commentaries and Blu-ray commentaries are becoming less common. They're still making Blu-rays.
0: I think they are.
2: I mean, Shreti, you're, a, you're doing a PhD in film studies up here at St Andrews, where we live. Oh, so we live together. We sh- oh, yeah. We sh- yeah. Yes, we yeah. Are in, we're in a relationship, I gather. Oh, shit. Do your what? parents know?
0: What is good Indian girl doing do you Scotland? What do your mum and dad think? Shacked up?
2: you shacked up with some white bloke. <sighs> Blimey. Well, I mean, you're covering it quite well by appearing to be quite respectable, academic of sorts.
0: Sure.
2: Actually, it's it, always happens on these shows if you get completely off the point. But what have you been up to? I mean, you've been on a couple of the programmes, uh, uh, basically, because you know we've got a, a quotient of uh, Indian film scholars we've got to meet, you know, and you're around. I'm not trying to. Be I mean, I am.
0: Un- I am your only diversity hire. I'm not paid. No, I'm your only no. Diversity it. intern.
2: We're mincing it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: and, you know, but this is it's good exposure for you. It's good. Yeah, sure. It's good experience. <laughs> so what? But
0: what are you up to? Uh, I'm doing a PhD. I'm looking at old, really old Indian films from the 1930s, most of which don't exist. Or at least are presumed to be lost. Maybe we'll find some of them. Um, I'm looking at how people went to watch these films, specifically women people. Well,
2: that's become a very a very it's, hot topic, is not it? It's
0: a radical idea now that apparently women are people. I, I think they became people last year.
2: Me too. Yeah. Well, actually, no, not me. People are... Concerned about the fact there's going to be a backlash against men. I mean, that would be awful. I mean, that, Can yeah, you imagine I that? Know.
0: I mean, I can't. I can't imagine what it must be like to live your whole life with this slight feeling of being constantly undermined and disc- Oh, wait, I do know that feeling. <laughs> but I'm I'm a brown woman, so I haven't received my person card. They start rolling it out with a few women in 2017. In five years, I'm sure I'll get my you're also a person card,
2: I mean to be fair, the British invasion annexation and occupation of Maharashtra in India was the will of the people <laughs> we won we won, and then because
0: uh, that i mean I'm sorry it was just there was this massively misguided campaign on the side of a bullet card that was going around and People took it seriously, and next thing you know, the British didn't leave for 150 years. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's interesting almost sort to of talk about Empire 2.0 that it goes against the sort of recovering sovereignty idea. You would have thought that people who are in favour of returning powers to Britain, which in fact they already had because the EU is a, a community of. Sovereign nations that pull their sovereignty it's not a super state, but the argument that uh you can recover sovereignty, but at the same time as that places like India should be beating a path to our door but and presumably this this is is there am I overreaching here but there's sort of an argument too about people saying that they have been harassed or people saying that they ha that their careers have been undermined or you know They, have, they haven't made the, the advances in their career that they should have done based on their, their qualifications and merit because of the fact they're women. That if people say that too much, somehow that's sort of attacking men. But it's getting at men. And um, feel free to, go to disagree with me because it's a sort of slightly rhetorical um, hmm. preamble. And I am going to relate this to this film of Toby
0: I'm sure, I'm sure we'll Young's book. It, it
2: does it all connects. Um but it's it's good that we've got into this and also talking about your uh, your PhD and what you're studying and the fact you're studying it here in Scotland. Is it seems to me that arguments about Brexit and sovereignty, but also a sort of revisionist attitude towards empire, which is going on at the moment, there's uh a furore about a course at Oxford which is going to basically teach a sort of revisionist line about yes. the empire and this is a, a reaction to the Rosemary's Fall campaign last yes. year trying to get rid of Cecil Rhodes yes. statue from Oxford High Street but then also this sort of oh, oh but you're attacking men now but all of it just seems to be about the fact that the the sort of cultural purchase in public space because of things like social media I don't think it's just social media uh, it's also just changes in the workplace. Is the fact that most people at work are pushing ideas or numbers around through digital devices. They're not actually um, operating a lathe and, and putting a, uh, a screw thread on it or something, or you know, milling it down so you can then put it into another piece of metal, which is what most people's jobs were uh, in this country until the 1970s. Now the majority of skills that you need at work are to do with communication, are to do with understanding other people to do with empathizing other people and it seems that women are just as good at that as men yeah possibly better wouldn't want to overstretch that point but that but you have all these power structures which includes the film industry well we're going to be talking about this toby young film in a minute but it also includes national politics it Mm. also includes academia it also includes what used to be print publishing, but it's now this kind of odd stay-behind thing which is an overlap between the money and power and the branding power of what used to be print publication.
1: This week, What the Papers Say is presented by Isabel Hilton. It was a sad week for fans of the magazine The Modern Review, dispatched to the great recycling bin in the sky. That's all, folks. The end of the affair was how the magazine's diminutive editor, Toby Young, described the finale. A nation mourns, or at least 10,000 people, not all of whom were close relatives of those involved, who were still buying the magazine when it went fut. If you're an Anglophilic cult stud, you'll find this mag supremely entertaining. The Washington Post. Then again, if you were one, you probably wouldn't want to tell the newsagent. So with all this praise, why did it fail? Neil Ferguson, writing in The Independent, has his own theory. The possibility that the modern review folded because it was a bad magazine has scarcely been discussed. Julie Birchall said it over and over again, and even Toby Young admits... Few people outside the office ever praised the magazine. Actually, I found the final issue packed with useful tips, like this on page 17. Ten reasons not to take cocaine. Now, isn't that the kind of thing you might want to cut out and keep? My personal favourite is reason number eight. At the end of the evening, you cannot properly operate your bottom jaw. This has several unpleasant consequences, only one of which is inability to form words. From which we can safely assume none of the leading protagonists were great consumers of the stuff. Their ability to form words, if only about themselves and each other, remains triumphantly unimpaired.
2: Can you get the phone, please? My, my Sue, you're you're stupid fucking artist. I wouldn't have the honour of calling it a review. I am an internationally respected academic and prick. What? Call you me the phone. What do I pay you for? I am an. You don't, don't pay me. So, Toby Young is in the public eye because he was the editor of a magazine called The Modern Review. Okay. Um, he took over from someone else quite successful it was, what was the Modern Review? The Modern Review was like a kind of slightly more hip, sort of ageing face reader time out reader version of the Times Literary Supplement or the London Review of Books or something like that it was trying to be something like the Atlantic or um, the Paris Review in that it wrote about quite weighty and serious subjects and it had quite, you know, uh, intellectuals writing for it But the quality of journalism was also of a standard that you would expect to find in what were then the quality newspapers. And there was this quite successful magazine, The Modern Review. Toby Young took it over as editor. Did quite a good job in the sense that he was quite popular and he got his face around quite a lot. But for whatever reason, the magazine didn't carry on from strength to strength with him as editor. But he he was quite well liked. He was quite popular at the time. And has since gone on to sort of trade on, first, the fact that when he was still um, hot, I'm using that term in the sense of still, like you know, a hot cake you buy at a, uh, a stall.
0: Yes, not.
2: Not any other conversation of that. But we're not going to indulge in ad hominem attacks on Toby Young, no, even sure. though we're about to watch a film with Simon Peggin based on one part of his life, but we're not going to have a go at Toby Young because... No. With, no, you know, I'm that's I'm beneath in. us no. i am
0: i am no one to take a poptub i am i am just a pair of breasts so yes i i don't i don't even have any opinion so
2: but he but he went on from doing the modern review to then uh having this kind of Landsmag lance mag stick when lance mags were a thing so again there were magazines there was uh loaded maxim um nuts hmm um, and maybe I could find a clip and drop it in, but there was a, a John Vaughan-narrated advert for Nuts when it, when it was advertised on the telly. Women, don't expect any help on a Thursday. <laughs> nuts, the new magazine for men, every Thursday. So, yeah, he, he was in various lads' magazines, he was kind of a bit of a face, a bit of a name to conjure with, because he had this bad boy shtick. And he, he was no. By no means, he he was not the only prominent journalist or or prominent commentator on on public affairs who cashed in on a bit of this kind of bad boy lads. I mean, they're still cashing
0: in on it. I mean, in my mind, uh, Nigel Farage, Boris Johnson, they all exist on this bad boy lads. Continuum. Chris
2: Johnson is beamed by the British ambassador.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the biggest belt. Yeah, it's right. It's enormous.
2: 42 tons. Yeah, this the gun I just in our attention. I to
0: hear the clapper on that one.
1: That's one of the More?
0: Probably
2: not. <laughs> what the rage man lay? Yeah, no. no.
0: public commentator have to do with regulating universities?
2: Well, I suppose the... Si- the I mean, si- Keith
0: Lemon is a public commentator.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an, an interesting question. Why is it that Gordon Ramsay isn't? Yeah. But, of course, you almost had that, because um, Jamie... What's he called? The celebrity Chef?
0: James... Uh, Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver.
2: Jamie Oliver was uh, sort of Tony Blair's school food czar. Yes. Yes. But that was this kind of odd conjunction between Mission TV. This is television programmes which are basically reality T V programmes but they've got a mission so you know, we're going to get all the dormant houses occupied or mm. we're going to look at what people living on benefits do all day.
0: But These at sorts least of programmes. Jamie Oliver he was dealing with from what I understand what food is served to children in schools. Yes. He is a chef. Yes. So at least he's qualified to talk about food. Yeah. From what I understand, Toby Young has no Academic qualifications.
2: He well, he 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 did. He has studied at Harvard. He did go to Oxford. He has started, but not finished a PhD. So, in fact, you I'm
0: already beating you, Toby. Yeah, you're sort Just of near, you're record.
2: near the. You can see the yeah. finish line of your PhD. He hasn't finished his PhD. Well, this, I suppose this is what it's a sort of tie together all the things I was talking about about five minutes ago is. What's interesting about Toby Young's appointment is he hasn't even got a telly show. So he's not even Donald Trump. Yes. He's not a popular figure. He's on television every week and people are frantically tweeting and talking on Facebook about, oh my God, did you see what Toby said to that woman? He's occasionally on question time. He's often on... Um, he, he's, he's known to be somebody that Particularly, radio researchers can go to and get a quote off him, or what were print journalists can go to him and get a quote off him. He likes being quoted in things a lot, and he, he often sort of reacts to stuff and tries to spin things somewhat more in the Tories' because they're currently in government, the, gov- the government's direction. But it's an interesting appointment in the sense that if his qualification for chairing the regulator of British universities is that he's a he's a prominent public figure. There are a great many other people who yes. actually have a higher profile than he does. Yes. So that's kind of in, it's interesting they go to Toby Young, whose only qualification actually isn't that strong.
0: Well, you could go on Twitter and even just find popular academics.
2: Well, that, I mean, I suppose people that's the point. Who have yeah. loads
0: of academic, proper academic credentials, and are recognised recognised by the general public?
2: For example, Mary Beard. Mary Beard.
0: Beard.
2: <laughs> it's that everyone, <laughs> if they were if they were asked. Who's a, f- a famous British academic who you know is respected as an intellectual but is on the that everyone would say Mary Beard. Yep. Because Mary Beard, she just did a culture show, she presented a culture show. She's on the but she's also uh, taken very seriously as a she is a serious class- a historian of, of the classical world. Another person would be A.C. Grayling. Now, of course, A.C. is yes. an interesting position because having been like Toby Young a front man for these free school ideas of having basically spun off, privately run schools, but which are nonetheless streamlined into the public public system. Well, AC Grading was, was part of that movement along with Toby Young, but because he's a kind of somewhat left-leaning, uh, I think people presumed somewhat Blairite, not so fully paid up Blairite, but certainly kind of third-way progressive. Here's now... Certainly, the most eloquent, but the most visible person in public life who's opposing Brexit, He's not saying, "Oh, let's do Brexit but keep a single market." He's saying, "No, the whole thing's a, a fit up, It's all a con. We should just not do it." I AC mean, Groening's not somebody that, that the British government would appoint to run u- universities because that would be, you know, p- politically anathema to Theresa May. But she has a, she's made a political appointment, but she's made an appointment from someone. Who's? I mean, this is, I suppose, an ad hominem attack, but I think it's, it's the elephant in the room. I can't not say it. it his power is waning. Toby Young was who this film we're, we're going to talk about is the subject of, you know, in a, a comedically dramatized form, to yes. be fair. But you know, he got a film made about his life really when he was only like halfway through his career. Uh, a lot of people would say, well, film didn't do terribly well. People aren't still reading his books about his crazy antics in America or his crazy antics at the Groucho Club when he got kicked out for dealing coke and half his face went numb. Why pick him? Because it's not as if he actually does have that much power to win over the general public, that he is a kind of...
0: Do you think there was a sense that people wouldn't pay much attention to this appointment, specifically the fact that he was... Appointed because he's not that well known.
2: What is this? That's a water, sir. Well, that's not right, is it? B- <laughs> a bit of beer in it or something?
1: I'm sorry, my boyfriend's sitting there.
2: Is he? He's fucking small, isn't he? <laughs> uh, I'm a journalist. I work for a little periodical you might have heard of. Sharp's Magazine. I'm the cultural editor. I...
1: This is a library card from Gloucester.
2: Don't... Well, it's the wrong one, isn't it? I can... I've got
1: a... To... Happy now? Just doing my bit for the gene pool.
2: So I think that Toby Young's appointment came about because Boris Johnson wants to be Prime Minister. He's not been able to distinguish himself as Foreign Secretary, so his brother, Joe Johnson, as University's Minister, tried to start this culture war. Uh, and, of course, the history of this goes way back to why... Uh, Theresa May became Prime Minister in the first place and that is due to a decision that David Cameron made. David Cameron resigned because he called the Brexit referendum when he didn't have to, basically to see off Douglas Carswell, a the lone UKIP MP who'd switched from the Tories to UKIP uh, because the Tories were terrified about the fact that UKIP had, had come third in uh, pre- the, the previous lot sort of uh, local and European elections. It looked as if UKIP were the rising force, that UKIP were going to be the new Lib Dems. Uh, to see Douglas Carswell off, David Cameron held this referendum, assuming that he'd win it, because, I mean, hey, no one's dumb enough to leave the European Union. And then Britain narrowly voted with 36% of the eligible vote to leave. And the rest is history. So Cameron had to go. There was a leadership contest. Theresa May inexplicably won basically because all the other candidates were generally felt to be too hot to handle or they were Andrea Levinson and no one had heard of them
0: Um, I mean it is sort of ironic that especially considering last year was the year of feminism and me too that Theresa May basically won because the other female candidate was just too sexist yes (laughs) it's just usually you would expect Male c- candidates to say something incredibly stupid like that about a female candidate, and get tanked. Uh, but it's interesting that it was Andrea Letson who made, from what I remember, made a remark about Theresa May not being a yeah, mother. Yeah, as a
2: mother, as a dot, mother, dot, dot, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: which didn't go down. So it's very lot.
0: interesting how that was the undoing of Andrea Leadsom's candidacy, whereas in over the next few months we would. See a man admitting to attacking women and assaulting them on tape and then
2: and, and, what, and
0: then being elevated to presidency.
2: Why is the Weinstein stuff so important? Why is Toby Young so important? Why are we now going to look at this film uh, through, through that prism? Because they represent old power, old male power, the yes. power of Hollywood moguls, which as the film industry struggles to make unbelievable amounts of money with every one of its investments, we watched the Mummy yesterday.
0: 2017.
2: That's you know that, that's another discussion for another day. But why has Universal's Dark Universe franchise failed to set the world on fire in the way that, that the Marvel films did? Justice League is another example of this. Is the film industry has tried to consolidate its money and power so it can turn a uh, hundred million dollars into a billion dollars. And that power that Harvey Weinstein wielded does seem to be waning. I mean, actually, you could say with films like Justice League and with uh, The Mummy, it's gone. I mean, they can't just make a movie which has a massive opening weekend because it's got Tom Cruise in. Tom Cruise got, I believe, 13, 17 million. I I think he got 13 million for The Mummy. Because again, that's based on the, the logic of Hollywood over the last twenty, twenty-five years, which is uh, stars open movies. You got Tom Cruise; it might not be a very good film, but it'll be fine because people go and see it before they, they realize that the film's not very good, and word of mouth kills it. Well, that doesn't that doesn't seem to work anymore. No, Ben, well, Af- I mean, ben Affleck I mean, being a Batman true just doesn't that work. Stars
0: do open movies. I'm not going to discount that, but it's again this notion of uh, old power. Yeah, Hollywood doesn't. It seems to be quite slow on the uptake of the on the fact that Tom Cruise doesn't just exist as the star of his movies anymore. In the age of the internet, Tom Cruise exists as a Scientologist. British, Tom yeah. Cruise exists as
2: that cra- that guy who seemed to act crazy on Oprah yeah. and leap over a sofa and yeah. yeah. All the kind of the thick text stuff, the kind of metatextual stuff to do with his star status which Hollywood Studios used to uh, obsessively and quite brilliantly cultivate and curate when they had resident uh, artists who could retouch the publicity photos of the stars amazing guys, He's often from Japan for some reason Japanese artists in the 30s and 40s became experts at retouching glossy photographs, so those beautiful photos you see of Hayley Lamarr and Cary Grant and Marilyn Monroe were all retouched by these amazing Japanese retouch artists. And studios had publicists and they had fixers to carefully cultivate this story. So that, for example, the fact that um, Rock Hudson was gay. Yep. The fact that um, Bob Hope wasn't a very nice guy. (laughs) Bing Crosby slapped his kids around. Joan Crawford was horrible, including to her kids. What's the other one I'm thinking of? Oh, well, um, James Dean. Yes. James Dean was at least bisexual. Yeah. That never got out. Even though you had a Hollywood gossip industry, which existed, certain people were off limits because you had this Hollywood system. Presumably that was something that Weinstein and others, I mean, are we going to go through a list of names?
0: Oh, I mean, would the stay there all night. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
2: But I suppose the most prominent one, other one, is Kevin Spacey. Although, yes. again, he's not been charged, but I think it's it's a, it's generally assumed to be true that he has assaulted and abused minors basically throughout his acting career, and that was something which was there's been an investigation at the Old Vic where he was artistic director during the Blair era. And was not only quite close to Bill Clinton, but certainly would come out now and again you know, to say supportive things about Tony Blair. That's all been quietly forgotten about, the occasions yes. when Kevin Spacey said approving things about New Labour. You know, that's when it was a project, the third way was a project. And like Weinstein's support of Hillary Clinton, Spacey attached himself to liberal progressive causes in this country as well. While he was he was director of the old BIC, he's uh Alleged to have assaulted and groomed and otherwise pressed his attentions upon uh, quite a lot of young men. Uh, there has been an investigation by the old vic. One of the one of the aspects of that investigation which I and other people have slightly raised our eyebrows about is the idea that no is that it wasn't the case that everybody knew. I did, and I'm nothing to do with theatre. I'm a at best tangentially connected to the establishment through a couple of friends of mine who happen to be quite prominent in in public life, I suppose the main one's Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury's a friend of mine but you know, here we are in a little flat in Fife with you doing your PhD and me as a freelance journalist, I'm not very well connected, I don't have an inside track on things, I knew Kevin Spacey had been uh, assaulting and and, uh, harassing and abusing young men I knew that in 2009 I knew that because someone I was dating then uh, was from New York but uh, was part of San Francisco's uh, theatre scene and she knew through actor friends that Kevin Spacey had at some point been invited to leave New York by the acting fraternity because uh, he had uh, tried to try to uh, have alone time with the younger sons and male friends of, of too many actors and they, they basically had figured him out. It was suggested that his future might lie somewhere else, probably in Hollywood, which has, as things turned out was, was the case. But I knew about that in 2009. So the idea that people working at the Old Vic didn't know, I mean there was a huge amount of gossip about Kevin Spacey and uh, what was assumed to be cottaging that he was doing in the various Parks and open spaces in South London. So, I mean, there was a great kerfuffle about something to do with his private life. What people didn't appreciate was that underlying it was something that was quite sinister. And the sinister aspects of this to do with Kevin Spacey's links to Epstein, to Bill Clinton, through Epstein to Prince Andrew. Isn't it interesting that Kevin Spacey's honours have not been revoked? Mm-hmm. He's a knight, he's a knight of the realm. Mm-hmm. Has anyone talked about taking Kevin Spacey's knighthood away yet? What possible reason would the royal household have for not wishing to draw attention to a personal friend of Jeffrey Epstein?
0: I think it's also important to acknowledge the fact that this happened, you know, Kevin Spacey's career was over in 48 hours. I mean, there's no way of knowing, but I think it's quite possible that if these allegations had come out so publicly, Even two years ago. I don't know if it would have had such a catastrophic and immediate impact on Kevin Spacey's career. I think it's the fact that it happened after Weinstein allegations came out. I think the timing of it was crucial.
2: So the fact that Rose McGowan and Asia Argento and others came forward and talked about Weinstein then emboldened other people to talk about Kevin Spacey talk about other people in in the movie industry so having politically powerful friends in Spacey's case Bill Clinton the former president of the United States the, ro- the royal family in Britain wasn't sufficient to prevent his career basically just being over within
0: not after Weinstein no
2: and then his attempt to try and roll the thing back was to come out and oh. live his life as a gay man. And then that had a kind of strange strident effect that um,
0: Zachary Quinto, completely saw sp- through it.
2: Zachary Quinto, who's Spock. Yes. As, you know, openly gay actor in Hollywood. Yes. Just went, no. yep.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, you only chose to, chose to come out and celebrate your sexuality yeah. when you were accused of abusing children. No. No. It's not possible for people to rely on on these old power structures. So to relate this back to Toby Young, who, to be absolutely clear, is not accused of having assaulted or physically in any way distressed anyone.
0: Yes. No
2: one is suggesting that Toby Young has done anything criminal. Nobody, nobody is suggesting that Toby Young should not have a career. Nobody no. is suggesting that Toby Young uh, should be a social outcast. No. Uh, it's simply that based on his past remarks, based on his his career, of which this film we're going to talk about is is a part, because it's based on his book, his public persona and his, his remarks, having cultivated that public persona, disqualify him from this very important role of regulating British universities. And for a government to say, well, this guy is the right guy for this role, rather than say... Mary Beard. Yes. Sends a, a message in itself. Yes. Oof, what do you want? I want a chance. want a chance. As an Indian living in this country, but as a, you know, Britain's desperate to influence Indians because you need us. You need us. You you know, you've got our steel industry. You've got IT. You run all the call centres. You need us. Yeah. We could um, tarmac your road. Sure. Your roads are rubbish. The road outside your parents' house is terrible. Potholes in it. Haven't covered the drains. You need Britain to come and and save you and help you by tarmacing your roads. Oh, please. Can you just. Can you just get on WhatsApp and tell everybody in Bombay, please? Can we come over in tarmac? No. Please. No. We're much better well, at it than you I'm are. Sorry, it's not a racial but thing. There's
0: a bit of a precedent for you guys turning up in my country and not leaving.
2: What you think? Are like a load of builders will turn up with with uh, um, steamrollers like, and yeah, big. Yeah, next
0: thing I know, there's another 150-year-long occupation. A place, kind of high-vis
2: so. invasion of blokes <laughs> yes. called Owl. What do builders do? <laughs> I don't- one of the strange things about about you know middle age is when I was a kid, builders you saw them walking up and down ladders with hods of bricks. I never see builders building. I see a huge number of people with the correct safety gear. They've got the goggles. They've got hard hats. They've got the high vis waistcoats, which are very strange. they there always, they always look like um, kind of sort of Dickensian superheroes. Sure. Um, clipboards having very intent discussions with each other. I don't see a lot of building going on. Who does that? Is it elves? Maybe they did it with time travel or something. But yeah, I mean, you could have a small army of blokes called Al and yep. Dave <laughs> standing around a big tub of tarmac, stirring it, but being very careful and culturally sensitive and avoiding toxic masculinity, not making untoward comments about... Ladies walking past. Because builders don't do that anymore. No. That would be sexist. Please. If I can't convince you, Shruti Narayan Swami, and I can't convince the good people of Mumbai, can Boris Johnson? No. Why can't Boris Johnson convince 1.6 billion people in India that you need us to come over and sort your telecoms out or something? What specifically is it about Boris Johnson which conveys the least acumen and the least um, gravitas, would you I, say? I,
0: I can't help but mentally picture that famous photo of him, which was brilliantly on the cover of Liberation.
2: So this is him hanging from a bungee hanging rope and a hard hat. Rope. Hard and hat a again, hat. hard, there hard you hat, there you are, again, you there see? you are. And British values?
0: Yep. Holding two British flags.
2: But the thing that's interesting Good about uh, the inter- thing that's interesting about that famous photo of Boris Johnson is it was staged. It's that Boris Johnson, from being, uh, again, a- editor the an editor of a spectator, an editor of a, what was a magazine and then was turning into a website with a print version you could also get, to then running for mayor of London, to then becoming an MP and now becoming foreign secretary. At every stage, he's very carefully cultivated, yes. unlike Donald Trump. Yes. who just to put that one to bed Donald Trump in my humble estimation in my reading of things is and contrary to the million billion Atlantic quarterly style long pieces of analyses saying when Trump says everyone hates he's got uh, got AIDS what he actually is distracting us from is dot 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 no he genuinely
0: thinks that
2: he doesn't seem to be somebody who's playing a 1000000 chess games on a million 4D chess boards. He, it seems to be that the mask is burned into the face. Yes. That he seems to be a sort of clueless, racist, impulsive old man because he is a clueless, racist, impulsive old man. Boris Johnson, in, again... This is only my estimation. But my reading of it is, Boris Johnson is actually a very shrewd person. Yes. He's a classical scholar. Uh, You know, he wants for nothing else in his downtime but to read a bit of Ovid or Suetonius or something. He's fluent in Latin. He's not a stupid guy. No. The bumptious Bertie Worcester. (laughs) I'm going to read some Kipling now I'm in a Burmese uh, Buddhist temple. That won't offend the Burmese at all, will it? And the poor ambassador's going, no, no, I think that would be extremely culturally insensitive. Foreign Secretary, oh, well, I shouldn't do it. I've got it here on my phone. That's actually a routine. Yes. And that what he wanted was the cameras to see him being a little bit racist on a scale of racist Brit abroad, which goes from one to twelve. He wants to be about four, enough to sell him as you know, oh, I'm not PC and politically correct, unlike those people. Yes. Just saying which is what he wants to say to expats or voters living in Portugal, but not a six or a seven no. that would then result in the, the the Burmese government saying, we'd quite like it if Boris Johnson didn't come here again. Yes,
0: He's not trying to be Nigel Farage, because that market is cornered by Nigel Farage, Farage. Yeah, uh, He seems to have sort of worked out quite cleverly how to occupy... Two worlds where he can also be sort of slightly nigel Farage-y. and that's where all the whole oh, I'm just a yeah, you know, we're all just lads at the end of the day I'm still you know I like my pint at the pub, so he's got that market covered, but he's also uh and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just some uh, something I'm. A perspective that I'm bringing in as someone who's not British uh, as an outsider he's also uh, reassuringly upper class enough yeah uh, to a be of comfort to you know the sort of typical I think it's eaten, di- attending
2: well I think that's the crucial thing I, I- Having uh, grown up with two telegraph reading grandparents, one of whom, my grandmother Caroline, who was a, a, a staunch liberal with a capital L, but my grandfather was Martin, was a, a very active conservative in Henley on Thames in Oxfordshire, um, was quite right wing. Yes. In a, in a lot of in a lot of respects. I mean, from a services family. Quite what would be regarded as quite conservative views of the small sea, but really the most delightful man. I mean, just the you know, a wonderful grandfather and a very, very nice man. But he was, as far as I can make out, quite an active Freemason as well. Uh, he certainly was a staunch part of the Tory establishment in Henley on Thames in the 1970s. Uh, he was on the Henley Regatta Committee as well. Mm. I mean, it's the same world that Boris Johnson comes from, yes, but they would look on Toby Young many Telegraph readers would look on Sober Young, and indeed on Boris Johnson, with absolute shock and horror. Mm. And so what's interesting about, I think, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what, uh, the reason I'm chipping in is because I think you're so right, and you're so right based on my own family and my own experience, mm. which is, you, you're, you know, you're somebody from India who's looking at, at my country and looking at the sort of power structures, and yeah, I mean that's that's exactly dead on. Is Boris Johnson is trying to appeal to those people, but I don't think they exist.
0: No, no.
2: Do you, do you think they exist?
0: I'm not sure. Actually, I think I can I can only speak to speak about academia. I think these people, such people, do exist in academia, and <clears throat> it's connected to again this sort of resurgence of. Uh, colonial nostalgia hmm. uh, especially after Brexit sort of reminisce about how actually how great the empire was I
2: mean we built railways for uh, well, you
0: exactly I mean we would have never gotten around to building railways in India had it not been for and of course it was all from the goodness of the British establishment we well, took out that, the thuggy
2: yes you haven't brought. thanked us for that yet
0: Yes. <laughs> um, very
2: good film about that the deceivers Oh, we should. Let's do a box set DVD commentary about the Deceivers someday.
0: I could be wrong, but I do think there is a connection between people who sort of think of Boris. I think Boris Johnson is reassuring to the kind of people who are might be in academia or sort of are sort of typical conservative or oh, Not typical conservative, but people who would who vote conservative, but who would never vote for UKIP, who would never vote for someone like Douglas Carswell, because I I think those people would gen, are genuinely horrified by the sort of out and out racism.
2: And we've seen with the Daily Mail and other um, media. Conglomerates, monstering of Anasubri and other Tory MPs yes. who voted against the yes. government's um, uh, current positioning with Brexit and the current legislation they they have to get through. Uh, so you had this appalling Daily Mail front page with you know basically like a wanted poster of you know these are the traitors. In the context of Joe Cox MP, a Labour MP, being murdered by by a a racist, by a white supremacist, like a paid-up member of white supremacist organisations, shot her and stabbed her and and, and killed her in the street. Extraordinary. Extraordinary that a reputable newspaper would think that that was anything other than quite unsophisticated political intimidation and probably criminal. Yes. Although they're they're not prosecuted for it. I mean, I don't see how that's not harassment. Very odd. But I think certainly Conservatives like, like um, Anna Seabree, are certainly appalled by the Douglas Carswell Farage and yes. things. And mildly intolerant, but unable to say anything about what Michael Gove and Boris Johnson yes. represent. They're kind of like... Jo-
0: Boris Johnson would never come out and say...
2: Ban the hijab. Things,
0: yeah, exactly. But it's more his the kind of racism that they represent is a bit more subtle, a bit harder to spot. Like, precisely like, you know, reciting a Rudyard Kipling poem in a a Buddhist temple, or... um,
2: But Boris Johnson, I don't think, is a racist. Toby Young... No, I don't... Toby Young definitely isn't a racist. He's a sexist... Let's
0: not forget, uh, Boris Johnson did... I I mean, I forget what the actual comment was, but, you know, things about... Oh, the watermelon smiles. Yeah. Of, it's, it's not a sort of get-the-darkies-out-of-the-country racism. It's very much a sort of Boris Johnson speaking as if he was some... He's an imperial sahib in the mountains of Darjeeling What's very interesting in the 1940s.
2: What's very interesting about this is that I feel, although this kind of um, panto-John Bull racism... It has always existed in England since I mean since the English Civil War you can find it in various different manifestations and probably before that as well but this sort of merging of the sort of Faustafian stout yeoman who stands up in the inn mm. and buys everyone a flagon of the finest local ale and then holds forth the sort of progression of that to the English equivalent of the uncle who turns up at thanksgiving or the uncle who turns up at weddings if we're talking about in pakistan and bangladesh hmm. who it's like oh god he's here yeah, yeah. don't it's, talk it's, to him I about think politics it's
0: precisely that that makes boris johnson more palatable uh, to the english political establishment though sort of that he is capable of holding forth and i think sort of toby young also sort of falls in that category again i don't think toby young would go out and come out and say um oh let's you know there's too many foreign students coming to british universities it's not that kind of racism but it is the kind of sort of oh why are uh, you know why why shouldn't we commission a research project that um
2: looks at the plus looks at the of positives
0: of colonialism, or maybe it is time to look at whether uh, should are, are we are we right to ensure that there is more diversity in university hiring practices do we really need to make sure that um, there is a push to hire more people of color um, in universities, and there would there would be people in Academia who would go. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean, do we need to? What about you know? What about hiring? What about white people? Are we discriminating against white people in universities now? I mean, we're the real victims of all this. Well, well, clearly. But it's a sort of it's a sort of racism that isn't. UKIP level racism. Yeah. That a lot of people would shy away from, but it's just about. Oh, you what? You know what? You are right that you know we've you know all this all this safe spacing. It's getting a bit out of hand now.
2: So what was intriguing about this is that this release really started. It wasn't to do with lads mags. It wasn't to do with social media. This kind of viral intemperance and intolerance within conservatism, not necessarily the Conservative Party, but within a kind of conservative traditional viewpoint in at least England, if not the British Isles more generally. The, the real starting point for it, at least in my adult life, was an incident which I'm sure people outside of Britain won't I, be in any way familiar with, kind of and business people business who are familiar with it will have forgotten about it.
1: I've always used very responsible language about this subject, but as I've, as I've just explained to Matthew, I think that we have to have an immigration system that is under control, and there has to be a limit. If things go on as they are, we will have, over the next few years... There were six million more people in this country. Uh, most of them will be immigrants. That's uh, a, an increase in the population, six times the size of Birmingham. And that will, po- it, that, that will really impose strains and stresses on our social services, um, on our security, and, and, and on our So in 2004, I- Michael
2: Howard was Conservative leader. This was seven years into Tony Blair's new Labour government, and... The Tories, I think, only had Michael Howard as the one serving MP who'd been a cabinet minister. And he fought the 2004 election on the basis of this slogan, Are You Thinking?
0: What, what We're thinking? thinking?
2: Which was a- an interesting choice, given that Michael Howard is has a, has a Jewish background. I mean, you would have thought somebody from uh, a Jewish background would know better than to sound dog whistles but it was the first time that I can think of in my adult lifetime when this kind of dog whistle politics implying to a portion of the electorate that whatever prejudices they may hold are actually okay by uh, this or that political party. Prior to the two thousand and four election, there hadn't really been anything that overt from a major political party since Enoch Powell, since the sort of mid seventies. Now obviously you can't really compare two thousand and four with the mid seventies and, and the uh the period when the National Front had huge racist marches through cities like Birmingham. I don't think you can compare the situation we're in at the moment with uh, this uh, great confusion about, you know, what kind of Brexit we're going to have, or what, you know, whether it's going to be Brexit at all, um, with with the n- mid nineteen seventies. But th- th- if there is any similarity, it's that it was okay to imply the political attitudes that were sort of generally felt to be unacceptable were acceptable you just you know you, you don't speak above a whisper and what I think I mean to because we're coming to the end of this this chat and we'll talk about the film but I'm glad we've we've talked about these things out of the context of, of watching the film because I think that's what makes the film interesting now is that we are in this this new situation and the film was made Almost ten years ago. So, four or five years after that Conservative parliamentary campaign. But Toby Young's views at that time were still not cheerleading for eugenics. If his sexism was to the fore, there was a cheeky, went-to-camera lads mag, sort of jokiness about it. It wasn't the much more sort of overt kind of culture war which Joe Johnson seems to have tried to recruit Toby Young for, which, I mean, who, who knows what goes on in the mind of the Johnson brothers, but as far as I can make out, the idea was Boris Johnson hasn't particularly distinguished himself as Foreign Secretary. So, fight a culture war in British universities over safe spacing, get Toby Young in to be that guy, you know, to, to fight the corner for free speech and critical thinking. Uh, and if Boris Johnson and his allies like Michael Gove allied themselves with, with that then you know it would differentiate Boris Johnson's brand perhaps from Philip Hammond's brand and perhaps from the brand of anyone else who might throw their, their hat into the ring of Theresa May's leadership looks so parlous that she is invited to leave which is what happened to Margaret Thatcher. But I mean to bring all this together, and I think also to connect it back to your PhD, and without wishing to sort of preempt the discussion we're going to have in part two when we actually watch the film, is it safe to say we think this film of Toby Young's book "How to Lose Friends and Alienate People" is quite disappointing?
0: It's completely unremarkable in every sense possible. I. You know, without wishing to start discussing the film already, there is nothing worth even discussing about.
2: So there's nothing. There are a couple of things in it which are pretty heinous. Yes, but I don't think they actually reflect that badly on the people involved in the film. And and there, you know, there are some fantastic people involved in this film. Yes, we'll talk about this when we're actually watching the film. But Simon Pegg, you know, I mean, Simon Pegg is in a lot of stuff which is beloved certainly beloved by me and, and you know that's why he has this uh, you know unique quite niche star status because of space because of children of the dead and big train let's not forget big train yeah. but also Stephen Woolley who produced it also as we'll going on to talk about when we, we talk about the film the director Robert Whitey personal friend of Kurt Vonnegut produced and wrote the mm. film of Mother Night has a script of the Sirens of Titan produced um, that great Lenny Bruce documentary I Swear to tell the truth Kirsten Dunst is in great stuff Miriam Margolis is in this film, the list goes on it's got some great actors, it's got some great creative Megan people, Fox Megan Fox is in the film. film it's got some some good or in some cases great character actors, it's got some great creative people involved in it and it's not Toby Young's fault that it's not a good film nor is it his fault that it's not a bad film because it's just based on his book and then he, he sort of at- attached his celebrity such as it is to it but it doesn't really reflect well or badly on him because he had um, negligible <laughs> involvement. Well again as we'll, we'll talk about in part two he was invited to lead the set.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: yeah we'll, we'll talk about this but yeah he, he, oh. he tried to ingratiate himself to Kirsten Dunst of and Of uh, course
0: he did. Oh my. Good. So
2: Stephen Woolley had a word, and that was that. But so what? what is interesting about talking about this film now, I mean, there is a DVD commentary. I'm slightly bending my own rules, even though this is the first one of these we've done, which is that there, there actually is a DVD commentary with Simon Pegg and Robert Wheeler talking about the film. But, of course, because it was recorded when the film came out on DVD... Also,
0: these are people contractually bound to say good things about the film, so...
2: But I don't necessarily want to say bad things about it. I mean, I'm not really interested in a process of what I believe they call on the internet these days, fisking.
0: Oh, is that what it's called now?
2: After a sort of a, a habit of going through Robert Fisk's articles, the, the esteemed Middle Eastern journalist for the Independent, uh, going through a Robert Fisk article and taking it apart point, point by point, I'm not interested in t- in making these these podcasts and talking about films to try and identify the uh, culturally appropriative uh, nutella racism the in- inappropriate backclaver with nutella which is disrespectful of middle eastern culture I- i'm not interested in trying to kind of identify what's wrong with films if we're going to talk for half an hour an hour about film it may as well be a, if not a good film have interesting or good things to be said about yes it
0: but that's my fundamental problem with this film. There's nothing interesting to talk about it.
2: I mean, to sound a note of contention here, it, hey, it's a, it's a Toby Young <laughs> film. I'm going to be a controversialist. I'm going to be a contrarian. To sound a controversial note, I think there is something interesting about this film, and I think this film is now interesting because of Toby Young's appointment to be yes. a student... Uh, Regulator, yes, by Joe Johnson, by the Tory government. The fact that it doesn't seem to have done his career much good. No. This appointment. So now people have gone back and looked at all his tweets, and now we're going to look at this film based on his book. Well, this has been a in keeping with our signature brand: digressive,
0: it's really digressive,
2: and tangential. But no, I've, re- I've really enjoyed talking about this, and uh, and. uh I hope that we do more more of these. We it's, should. It's fun going into the studio with a guest, talking to a new person, talking about a lovely old film that we've put on our Scala map. Or, I mean, the, in the years ahead, we're not just going to do that Scala map. We're going to do other things around that format. But sometimes when there's, you know, there's there's a, a stray thread sort of dangling there in the cosmos, which is kind of what we've done with this film, is we've just, you know, tugged at it a bit. Yes. <laughs> you know and seeing what comes out <laughs> and what came out with this discussion so it's been a great pleasure
0: yeah it's been fun
2: our podcast is more music for films and you can find it on thebeekeepers.com or your
0: podcasting application of choice